if you go to my past tweets, like two days after I posted, I'm like, Twitter, please help me get Billy Ray on there because I was like, Billy Ray Cyrus would be perfect for this. of an end of an era i know it's how long ago how long ago did we start talking about billy ray well the first episode was august 23rd it was published but i started re i started listening to billy ray in when i took my vacation which was in like june i i drove from uh, madison to new mexico and I listened to a lot of music but a mm-hmm. lot of uh, a lot of it was basically listening to all of billy ray's discography so I was, I was thinking about it that far out. That's kind of a fitting place. Yeah. Driving through New Mexico, listening to Billy Ray. No, like country music, like you gotta you gotta listen to it out in the country. Welcome to Polishing Turds with Nick and Cal. My name is Nick. And I'm Cal. And this is the show where we take a deep dive into the wonderful world of bad music. <laughs> you're gonna run out of creative ways to do that <laughs> never i will just it was just gonna get weirder and more fucked up and you know maybe i'll do we'll do a we'll do a morse code run. yeah we'll uh we'll all learn uh czech or some you know foreign language <laughs> but okay enough uh fucking around today today this is the seventh and i promise you the final chapter of the cyrus dynasty (laughs) it's been a what a long strange trip it has been has it not calvin you know i was thinking about it i I sat back and was like i think this series is the first one that's like fulfilled the original vision we had when we started the show Mm -hmm. i I don't know if we were picturing like seven parters but uh the idea of taking a one-hit wonder like a gimmicky artist yeah and just seeing if there's any cool stories what what they do with the rest of their career good or bad Mm mm-hmm I think this this is the first time it really panned out that way, where we found like a treasure trove of shit we that sure, became yeah. seven episodes worth of stuff to talk about. We sure as hell did, and uh, like honestly, there's a there's even stuff that I've left out. Like I didn't intend for this to take up all of Q4 of 2021. <laughs> I I just I didn't think this was gonna be seven episodes for sure when I thought of it. I just they just the the family really is this fascinating and complicated and the 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 music is just uh so all over the place yeah and, uh but but I'm, I'm really glad that we did it and uh i know that's it's been a lot for fans probably like it's definitely been a lot for my girlfriend she is <laughs> very ready for me to move on from talking about Billy Ray Cyrus. i'm talking like Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> That's actually the one thing I'm going to super miss is being able to do his voice. <laughs> this really hacky Southern accent probably means I can't uh, set foot anywhere in the South for a little while. I was like, dude, it's, it's probably a little bittersweet. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm sure through all the research, like you really get to know these people in a way. 
It, it, yeah, I feel like uh, like some kind of like Louis Thoreau type documentarian, <laughs> like just being immersed with these subjects that like I've, I've gotten. I I don't come from these people's world. Like these people would never willingly hang out with me. But like, <laughs> but, like I just I I feel like I understand them in a weird twisted way. But like like you said, that's what we wanted this show to be about. We want to take you into a journey through the lives of these people that are only known for a very shallow thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So for this episode, we're going to return our focus to Billy Ray and Miley and cover their careers from the mid 2010s right up to the present. This has been a period of tremendous activity for both artists. For Miley, it meant the opportunity to move on from the sexy shock value of bangers and earn her place as a genuine music icon. For Billy Ray, it meant a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to finally score a second hit. All right, folks, we've got a lot to get into today, so let's just dive right on in, starting with Miley. And I will say that uh, even though technically this is a show about bad music, Miley's work from like the years that we're going to cover in this episode, uh, I think is actually pretty good. It's kind of hard to find a, a lot of fault to it. Yeah, I agree. This is one of the rare success stories on our show, I think, of, yeah. you know, as you look into a gimmick artist, it, you find out the rest of the catalog was pretty good. Yeah. It hasn't happened a lot. And she has uh, legitimately improved, and which is refreshing you know, when you consider that so many of the artists we've covered just, just kind of fall away and uh, degenerate over time. Mm-hmm. Now, when we last left Miley, she was fully immersed in the G-string and teddy bear aesthetic that defined her in her bangers phase. And while this era produced some catchy tunes and brought Miley to a whole new audience, the media backlash was stupendous. For much of the public, Miley Cyrus was a hot mess, with little to no redeeming value. And even though Miley was determined to do her thing no matter what, I think part of her wanted to prove those haters wrong. In August of 2014, Miley returned to the VMAs. But this time, she wasn't there to grind on Robin Thicke's pelvis. Her single Wrecking Ball was up for Video of the Year, and in the event that it won, Miley had a surprise in store. In fact, Wrecking Ball did win, but instead of accepting the award herself, Miley invited a 22-year-old named Jesse Helt to accept it on her behalf. Jesse was a homeless man whom Miley had recently met at an L.A. shelter called My Friend's Place. Upon taking the award, Jesse read a pre-prepared statement addressing the issue of homeless youth, Let's take a listen. Thank you all. My name is Jesse, and I am accepting this award on behalf of the 1.6 million runaways and homeless youth in the United States who are starving, lost, and scared for their lives right now. I know this because I'm one of these people. Thank you. I've survived in shelters all over the city. I've cleaned your hotel rooms. I've been an extra in your movies. I've been an extra in your life. Though I may have been invisible to you on the streets, I have a lot of the same dreams that brought many of you here tonight. Los Angeles Entertainment Capital has the largest population of homeless youth in America. The music industry will make over $7 billion this year, and outside these doors are 54,000 human beings who have no place to call home. Thank you. If you want to make powerful change in the world right now, Please join us and go to Miley's Facebook page. 
A dream you dream alone is only a dream. But a dream we dream together is reality. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, what do you think of that? It's interesting watching hundreds of dead-eyed celebrities just stare. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we know. (laughs) I want to see Wiley. Get off here, you fucking bum. These these gestures are a nice thing to do, and I think an important thing to do. Mm-hmm. I just worry with those award shows, it falls on deaf ears. Because like you said, those celebrities, they're there to jerk each other off. <laughs> a, a lot of times, uh, yes. Um, but like in, in this particular case, there, there was at least uh, some good that came out of it. So he, he referenced uh, going to Miley's Facebook page. Um, if you actually went to the Facebook page that night, you would see a video where Miley talks a little bit more about the issue and uh, basically does a pitch for that shelter, my friend's place, where she found uh, this guy, Jesse. And uh, that night, uh, the shelter raised over $200,000 within 24 hours of the that nice. speech. And uh, this is also kind of a homage to what Marlon Brando did at the 1973 Oscars when he was up for the Godfather. And instead of uh, taking the award himself, he invited a native American activist named uh, Sachin Littlefeather to accept the award. And she used that as a opportunity to talk about um, native American rights and uh, all the oppression of native now, people. Refresh my memory. That was not well received, right? No, like people were like, some people were actively booing her when she was okay, on, on that's, stage. That's what I seem to remember about that event. So we've we've come a little bit. We've made some progress <laughs> as a society. Yeah. It's so these events are just complete jerk off events anyway. Yeah. To me, that like making it political or something. And a lot of celebrities do go too far with that. But to be devoid of any social awareness like it's not i don't think you're really spoiling the sacred integrity no not at all of the event like and it's definitely the opposite spirit of what she brought to the event the the year before yeah for sure (laughs) now shortly thereafter molly founded her own nonprofit, an organization called the happy hippie foundation according to its mission statement Happy Hippie aims to, quote, fight injustice facing homeless youth, LGBTQ youth, and other vulnerable populations. In addition to donating meals, snacks, and clothing, the organization provides a wide range of resources, counseling, and other services to LGBTQ and other marginalized kids, particularly in the Los Angeles area. In other words, this isn't just a case of a celebrity taking on a cause to improve their image. Miley's actions have made a real difference in thousands of lives. If there was ever a moment where Miley truly lived up to her destiny to bring hope to the world, this was it. (laughs) (laughs) I always forget that that's her name. (laughs) That's her real name. It's just like, you know, because I'm so pedantic about these things, I like just... I wanted to like ask myself, like, okay, did she really bring hope to the world? But then I realized, like, it's not her fault if she didn't. No, I know. <laughs> she Who puts that on there. She doesn't have to be Jesus. <laughs> she didn't even name herself that. It was fucking Billy Ray. No, it is. In all seriousness, it's a, it's a cool thing to do. I, yeah. I, you know, all celebrities should be doing this. 
And not just for tax evasion reasons, (laughs) because they actually want to. No, and uh, like she is sincere about it. And she has like, she's also done a lot of other stuff, uh, even before this, like even back uh, when she was like starting Hannah Montana, she would visit children's hospitals when she was touring and, uh, you know, all just always tried to do really nice things for, for people out there. Well, maybe his name did have some effect then. Yeah. Meanwhile, Miley's music was getting just as ambitious as her philanthropy. After the triple platinum success of Bangers, Miley shocked fans and her record label by releasing her next album as a free digital download. For this effort, she teamed up with members of the psychedelic alternative rock band Flaming Lips. Cal, are you at all familiar with Flaming Lips? I know of their existence, and I heard them do a cover of Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> they they and, do a lot of uh, covers. Yeah, and that, that one, I, you know, personal opinion, I was kind of go, you're really going to redo that song? That's a little brave. But, <laughs> well, but anyway, no, I, I am not overly familiar with them. I, uh, I, I got super into them in college, and I've, I really love them. They're, they're, I think, one of the best bands of like the 80s, 90s, 2000s. Uh, and they're, but their music is very, well, they're all them put it this way. They're very ambitious. They try a lot of musical experiments and not a lot of them succeed. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're known for just like trying really crazy shit. Like they, a few years ago, they put out a six hour song. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and then they followed that up with a 24 hour song. <laughs> Didn't they do one too? You need like four record players all at the yeah. same time to yeah so like and that was actually back in the mid 90s uh they were just getting like genuinely big they'd been kind of an indie phenomenon for years and then they had a they had a big hit in uh the early 90s and then they kind of followed up some successful albums with this album called Zyrica. play it was meant to be played on four separate uh cd players spaced in four different corners of the room you had to play all four <laughs> discs at the same time it's so like you know one how do you uh, even you have to you have to have three friends willing to press play at the exact same time as you honestly. i know like, so it's not sorry to bump the table there but it's like it's not good for like a loner like me yeah or really anyone who doesn't have fucking four boom boxes on hand but it's a so the idea is that like CD would come out of one speaker and then like go into another one and it was just just this very fully immersive 4D psychedelic huh. experience. So they're very bold and a lot of their music is extremely good, but they're also like known for doing whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. And and we'll see that this meshed perfectly where with where Miley's head was at at that particular moment. Now, Miley had been a fan of Flaming Lips for years and had just recently worked with them on their 2014 album, With a Little Help from My Fwens, a track-by-track remake of the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper album. <laughs> See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and That's is, brave. <laughs> it, it sure is. I don't think is. I'd try and recreate a masterpiece. But. Yeah. Well, uh, let's check out Miley's uh, contribution to that. Uh, she is on their cover of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Cellophane flowers of yellow and green, towering over your head. Look for the girl with the sun in her eyes, and she's gone. 
Yeah, it's something, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I did too, actually. That's uh this is a, a band that like uh you you should listen to them like uh with headphones and like you know if you if you happen to be the type of person that likes to indulge in a psychedelic <laughs> substance every now and then, this is definitely one of the better bands I would recommend for for that experience. In August of 2015, Miley released her free album titled Miley Cyrus and Her Dead Pets. At 92 minutes, this sprawling acid trip of an album is easily the wildest, most creative, and challenging album of Miley's career. Let's listen to one of my favorite tracks from this record. This one's called Karen Don't Be Sad. to start by saying this album is really genuinely interesting and creative mm. in my opinion i think it's hard to even call it a pop album a lot of, it's pop structured but the the production is tinged with all that psychedelia as as you heard and it's all it's so raw and unfiltered and uh like she's singing about sex and like in a in ways that are more graphic than even bangers was oh man yeah like she sings about getting high like uh and just just a person completely bearing their life out in the open as if there were no consequences to to be had in the real world it, it honestly reminds like i was thinking about you know the song um wop <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like yeah, how that yeah. was that created such a kerfuffle and uh-huh. she was doing it before that this was no. the first time i've heard a female artist get up there and just outright sing about sex that way for sure yeah there's uh, like i think she laid the groundwork for a lot of that yep and uh it's she's also just very open about her emotions like uh there's one song called pablo the blowfish where she uh, sings about a blowfish that she had that recently died and she actually tears up during the uh, recording of the song so it's it's definitely it's a very freewheeling album it's a very druggy album yeah again uh, something that like if you were tripping like the 92 minutes thing probably wouldn't bother you all that much <laughs> but uh well and that's that's i think my my big criticism and i think it's yours as well yeah that's yes. it's too long it's true like it's not really that there's 
a lot of clunker tracks. It's just like there's too much of this album. Yeah, and every song is pretty much how much Miley loves doing drugs and fucking. Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, great. That's everyone loves those things. But but it's just I don't I found myself liking it less as I got to the back half. Yeah. It started out, I, just, I thought, like, man, this is actually really good for any artist. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm actually enjoying a Miley Cyrus record. And then as I got to the end, it was kind of like, uh. I, I had the same reaction. It's just like, it's it's a bit of a slog. Like, she could have used a little bit of editing. On yeah. It. Like, if she, if she had taken off, like, eight to ten tracks, it'd be her best record. Yeah, for sure. And, and some of them are a little, you know, cringy. Yeah. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's. Well, uh, there's there's ones that are like her like they have these spoken word parts almost and she's sitting there saying fuck every other word <laughs> and you're just kind of like all right this this might have been cool if I was twenty like yeah no it it sounds like a like a chick at Coachella like that you're yeah. waiting in line with to to the porta potty you know yeah like, exactly <laughs> like and actually uh, the next song I want to play for you guys is a uh, one of those types of songs uh, this one is called BB talk or baby talk. Let's uh let's hear it. Alright, I was sleeping next to him, but I was dreaming about the other dude, and then all of a sudden everything that he fucking did just made me cringe and it was so hard to fall in, but so easy just to fall back right out again. And this whole time I could give to you and I could paint you pictures, but I guess I could just never write a song and then maybe I never fell out of love with him in the first place. I mean I don't want to feel this feeling because my energy is just so strong that I don't know if I'm creating this or if this is actually what is meant to be. And, you know, they, they say that you got to think what you want into existence, but, you know, I've never been too good at making decisions, so I have no idea what the fuck I want, I guess. You give me a It's a shame because like I I actually like the beat of that song and I like the chorus but the, the kind of the rambliness like it's, yeah totally yeah, it's a little it's a little much yeah a hundred percent agree now, there are many things one can say about Miley Cyrus and her dead pets some critics praised it for its fearless exploration of new territory others complained that it's too long and lacks focus honestly I kind of think both of these takes are correct. But what's most fascinating to me is that Miley, having just won over a new audience, was willing to challenge that audience by putting out something this fucking weird. It's almost as if Miley was daring her fans to keep up with her. But if nothing else, this album proves that Miley truly is in it for the music and doesn't give a damn what people think. Doesn't she outright say that in like the first track? Something like, I yeah. don't give a fuck. I, I, a fuck. I, I, I smoke pot. I like beats. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's like, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Yep. <laughs> it's, just... it's been very true th- through the series that we've seen it with the Cyruses. I think it's true of all artists. 
when they do this and they stop giving a fuck and they just put out something with some actual artistic integrity, yes, it may not sell the most, but it's always like their best one when you go back and look. Absolutely. It's always interesting or worth listening to. Yeah. Now, Miley, I think, has been better at that than Billy Ray. You yeah. Know? But also, like, she, she took more risks and she got a lot more serious blowback than he did. Like, Billy Ray was made fun of a lot. But Miley was attacked in a much more scathing, yeah, and, and more and venomous way. tone. Yep. But like, but I think this is like the point in her life where she really is like blowing off all of that teenage steam and really is in full party mode, and has uh, and has learned that she can uh, endure that kind of uh, attack by the critics and survive. So she feels like she can do whatever the fuck she wants. Like she can release a free album, which believe me, her record company was not (laughs) thrilled about that, (laughs) but she got away with it, which proves that, you know, by this point she was one of the premier artists in America, but druggy experimentation can only go so far and any fears that Miley would drift into Sid Barrett territory were quickly put to rest with her next album, Younger Now. This record sees a decidedly more mature, chilled-out Miley. The album is best known for the single Malibu, but I'm not going to play that one for you guys just because I feel like it's played too often. Instead, I want to highlight a different song, one where Miley shows off some of her country roots in a collaboration with musical legend Dolly Parton. This one is called Rainbowland. Classic Oompa beat is back with <laughs> boom, a vengeance. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Dude, that is in every form of folk music, like worldwide. Yeah, like you listen to, like mariachi music, it's got the same shit. Oh yeah, I think I think it all uh, stems from uh, like European folk music. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and you can play it by blowing into a jug. So I'm actually not a, a huge fan of that song, but I wanted to use it uh, as an excuse to shoehorn this little bit about uh Dolly Parton and this is something I've uh it's been a part of this story that I've just kind of never had an opportunity to to talk about before but Dolly Parton has very deep links to the Cyrus family and this started uh back when Billy Ray first got famous she uh uh was defending Billy Ray and befriended him early on and she was defending him while a lot of country artists were attacking him and saying he was too commercial, he's not real country. And uh, Dolly Parton kind of like saw the other side of Billy Ray and took a liking to him. Some tabloids even speculated that they had an affair briefly, but I, I really don't think that ever happened. 
Yeah. Uh, it's just It seems unlikely to me. Yeah. And then uh when Miley was born, Dolly became Miley's godmother. Huh. So she's been a presence in Miley's life uh, from the very very early days. They've had a lot they've done a lot of like uh performing together. My, uh, Dolly was in an episode of Hannah Montana. Um she also did a track with Billy Ray back in 93. And I think this also paid off after uh, Miley was being criticized for the VMAs and for Wrecking Ball and being too sexy and all that, Dolly Parton came out and she like stood by Miley and said like she's just an artist, she's doing what she needs to do, and you go, girl. Yeah, essentially. Well, Dolly Parton's always been good shit. She is. She's just. She's got a. She's got a head in her shoulders. She's got a good heart, and she. She always seems to be on the right side of history. I was gonna say, I, I every time I've ever heard her talk about any issue. I, I tend to agree with her opinions. So. Yeah. And I just, and uh, she seems to be one of those country figures that even like cynical guys like us that hate country music can get behind someone like Dolly Parton. Yep. Younger now may have shown off a calmer, more mature Miley, but over the next two years, events in her life would once again wreak havoc on her emotional foundation. In November of 2018, Miley and Liam Hemsworth home was destroyed by the Woolsey Fire that burned almost 97,000 acres in Southern California. Miley lost a ton of priceless possessions, including a notebook where she had written most of her original lyrics. The tragedy inspired Miley and Liam to finally get married that December. However, the couple soon realized that this just wasn't the right move. Both of them had grown a lot since they first met in 2010, and the relationship just wasn't working anymore. In August of 2019, Miley and Liam divorced. Three months later, Miley underwent surgery for Ranky's edema, a condition where the vocal cords experienced swelling due to the presence of fluid. The surgery impacted Miley's life in two important ways. First, it inspired her to sober up, and Miley has refrained from alcohol, cannabis, and other drugs ever since. Second, while the procedure saved Miley's ability to sing, it also noticeably affected her voice. Miley had already long embraced her lower vocal range, but the surgery left her with an even deeper, raspier sound. You know, as we've talked about before, though, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I don't either. I think it makes her more distinctive, and I, I do like the, the way that she sings now and the, yeah. and the way that she talks now. It's I've always liked a raspy voice. There, this is weird, but I've always found something weirdly sexy about. Uh, a voice of a woman that sounds like she smokes a pack a day. Yeah. I don't know why. It's like that uh, chain-smoking cool aunt that will yeah. <laughs> take you to the mall, and she'll like uh, pour a little bit of a gin into her tea, and she'll teach you how to shoplift from the vending machines. You know, <laughs> It's like, we need women like that in the world. So, And just to give you guys an idea of uh, how this surgery uh, affected her voice, we're going to uh, show you two samples of her singing Wrecking Ball live. The first is from 2013, and the second is from uh, 2021, just recently.
Miley's vocal shift may have been a catalyst for her most recent transformation in style. In November of 2020, Miley released Plastic Hearts, an album where she embraces the glam rock sound of 80s icons like Joan Jett and Debbie Harry. Let's listen to the lead single from the album, Midnight Sky. Yeah, dude, this, uh, I think I can count on one hand the number of times I've said this, but I, about something on our show. <laughs> yeah. I like this album. I do too. Absolutely. Oftentimes I have to, I have to listen to stuff for the show and I'm just gritting my teeth like, all right, time to take an hour out of my day. I'll never get back. <laughs> and I kind of went into this with that attitude and I was very pleasantly surprised. I think it's far and away my favorite album, uh, with any Cyrus associated with it. Yeah, I still I think I kind of like the the Brayson album a tiny bit more. Like, but this but this one's really good. This is and this is more of a mainstream album anyway. It's it's got that uh, really kind of glossy '80s uh, like cyberpunk kind of mm-hmm. feel, and she she's just hitting a really good stride right now. It, it it aligns with what I like in in my music. Like this aligns most with my taste. I think of any Cyrus album I've listened to. Yeah, absolutely. So that that helps its case for me. And it's all very raw and honest, uh, like as is like all of her good music. She's uh, writing a lot about uh, her breakups and like her confusion uh, following the fire and following her breakup with Liam. And it all just uh, seems to really resonate through the music. Oh, yeah. And Zelm's got some balls. (laughs) Yeah, oh, hell yeah. She's definitely got uh, some fire in her gut for this one. Absolutely. Plastic Hearts has been Miley's most critically acclaimed album to date, and the edgy girl punk look seems to suit her pretty well. I think it's safe to say that as of right now, in 2021, Miley is on firmer ground than ever. And it's not even just with her music, really. Um, we were talking off air a little bit that uh, her acting has actually gotten better as well. So uh, in 20 to 2019, she did an episode of uh, Black Mirror, uh, it's called Rachel Jack and Ashley Two. Have you seen that one, Cal? I have seen it. It's it's been a while. The plot's a little fuzzy. Yeah, but I do remember her. Like she carries that episode. Yeah. So basically, she plays a uh, an, a music artist who is being controlled and manipulated by these like oppressive industry mm-hmm. managers, and it kind of snowballs from there in a very dark, black mirror way. But just even from that basic description, you could see how that type of plot would resonate <laughs> yeah. with someone like Miley Cyrus. 
And so I gotta say, as far as Black Mirror, so if you guys don't know Black Mirror, I, I have to assume you might not. It's yeah, it's known for being really high concept and having a lot of mind fuck moments and yeah, plots about you know time travel and consequences of technology. And I think as far as Black Mirror episodes go, it's not the best one. It's a uh, yeah. It's it's more. This is more straightforward. This is uh, it, yeah. It was incredibly straightforward compared actually, to what more, they had been yeah. doing. Actually, more probably more like a traditional movie. Well, that's than what I was gonna any say. Other, other episodes. So it was a solid hour and a half of entertainment. I it was definitely worth watching. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I should throw it in there that it's not the best Black Mirror episode. No. There's also a weird fun aside. They do a pseudo cover of nine inch nails um <laughs> someone where he goes bow down before when you serve I, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but they redid the lyrics and something about that kind of <laughs> rubbed me the wrong way <laughs> yeah that was weird i i remember th- i i totally forgot about that until you just mentioned it it's a yeah head like a hole except it's completely fucking different and weird yeah i don't know I had to throw that in there <laughs> I wonder if they like asked her to like write an original song for it, but she just like didn't want to waste her yeah, music no, fuck on it. You. I don't know. And then uh, another fact that I learned just very recently, um, according to Billboard, Miley has been the most streamed female artist of 2021. Oh wow! So like she's still. I am. Su- I'm very surprised by that. Yeah. So, yeah, she's doing extremely well. Miley has come so far in her already storied career. That it's strange to think that the whole thing started with a stupid Disney show. Hannah Montana certainly caused a great deal of disruption, even trauma, in Miley's life. And while her early solo career was marked by the great lengths that she took to distance herself from that show, today she can look back as a wise, sober adult and acknowledge the good that came with the bad. In March of 2021, Miley honored the 15th anniversary of Hannah Montana by penning an open letter to the character of Hannah, which she posted on Instagram. Here's an excerpt from that letter, as read by friend of the show, Jess Leonard. Hi, Hannah. It's been a while, 15 years to be exact, since the first time I slid those blonde bangs over my forehead in the best attempt to conceal my identity, then slipped into a puke pink terry cloth robe with a bedazzled H.M. over the heart. I didn't know then that is where you would live forever. Not just in mine, but millions of people around the world. Although you're considered to be an alter ego, in reality there was a time in my life when you held more of my identity in your glovette than I did in my bare hands. We had an equal exchange in which you provided a superlative amount of fame in return for the anonymity I could gift to you. But a lot has changed since then. You were like a rocket that flew me to the moon and never brought me back down. You and I have been through it all together, my friend. We've shared many firsts, a lot of lasts. Ups, downs, tears, and laughs. I lost my pappy, my dad's father, while on set filming an early episode of season one. He wanted to hold on long enough to catch the premiere on March 24th. He passed February 28th. I experienced falling in love for the first time in those years. Embarrassingly, started my period in a pair of white capris, of course on the day a cute guy was cast and asked to have lunch with me. Instead, I spent it in the bathroom with my mom sobbing and scrambling to find a pair of fresh denim. The finale episode was appropriately titled Wherever I Go, after a final song by the teen pop sensation herself. 
You. Me? Hannah Montana. The first verse sings, Everything is about to change, a chapter ending, but the story's only just begun. A page is turning for everyone, and closes on a soaring chorus belting, We might be apart, but I hope you always know you'll be with me wherever I go. Hannah, I hope you hear me and believe those words are true. You have all my love and utmost gratitude. Breathing life into you for those six years was an honor. I am indebted not only to you, Hannah, but to any and everyone who believed in me from the beginning. You all have my loyalty and deepest appreciation until the end. With all sincerity, I say thank you to Disney's entire team, all fellow cast members, special guests, crew, agents, and managers, especially my mommy, who took me to every lesson and audition, even when it required leaving town or making a cross-country move, which my siblings so selflessly underwent. Not a day goes by that I forget where I came from. A building in Burbank, California, with a room full of people with the power to fulfill my destiny. And that they did. They gave me you, the greatest gift a girl could ask for. I love you, Hannah Montana. Forever, Miley. All right. Well, uh, that wraps up Miley. Wow. <laughs> it, dude, it's, it feels surreal. It, it's kind of like when uh, you get you're out of school for the summer, and it doesn't actually feel uh, like it's happening yet. That's how I feel. Like we're actually wrapping these guys up. We won't talk about Miley again for a while. I know, and and she's still got so much of her career to go. Like she's she's not even thirty years old yet. It's it's gonna be crazy to think what kind of shit she gets up to in in the next like twenty twenty five years. Because it just it's hard to see a time right now when she fades out of relevance. Now that being said, like you know, maybe in the next five years she'll like you know like murder a kitten on stage and like we'll we'll eat those words or we'll find out something really horrible about her. But like right now it's just yeah it just seems like she's uh she's doing pretty well. Well, you know, whatever she does next, I I can at least say through doing this series, I will view it with different eyes and a greater appreciation uh than I had. And hopefully everyone who followed along with us will feel the same way. Me too, absolutely. She's not just she's not just the slut who twerked at the VMAs. Yep. All right, folks, there's only one thing left to do, and that's wrap up the story of Billy Ray. Now I want to set the stage here in the year 2017. By this point, old Billy's had a long, rough ride. He's traversed the highs and lows of fame. He's watched each of his children grow into professional artists and traverse those highs and lows themselves. He's also navigated a rocky marriage that nearly dissolved at multiple points. He's even done shit we didn't have time to talk about, like being on Dancing with the Stars and performing on Broadway. <laughs> Dancing, with, Dancing with the Stars is where celebrities go to call their career a day. <laughs> like, that's like the last thing you do. Oh, I'm on fucking Dancing with the Stars. I mean... Hey, Sean Spicer. So oh, God. Shit out of it. I forgot they had him on there. <laughs> Billy Ray, um, if you look at his uh, Dancing with the Stars performance, it's not very good. He's no. not a dancer even by his own admission. Oh, I, we we all know. We saw the achy breaky performance <laughs> at the <laughs> Grammys. Actually, in his memoir, he uh, he he claimed he was like really embarrassed by how he did. Like He, took he should it, be. <laughs> he took it super seriously. And... Uh, 
he said at one point that he even pulled over his car to throw up on the side of the road because he was so like just like like fucked up about it that dance was fucking stupid i look so (laughs) stupid for everyone (laughs) poor guy (laughs) but in 2017 there was still one thing billy ray hadn't done even after 14 albums a hit tv show and countless opportunities for exposure he had never quite shaken the monkey off his back like miley with hannah montana Billy Ray has a complex relationship with Achy Breaky Heart. On the one hand, he knows that song made his career. He never talks shit about it, and he always plays it at his shows. But is he really content to let that song define his career? Only Billy Ray can answer that, but I have to think the answer is no. I have to think that Billy Ray, the dreamer, the eternal optimist, always held on to the belief that something be it Trail of Tears or Thrill Billy or some big acting role, something would bring him back to the top. In April of 2017, our hero made headlines by announcing that later that year, he would be changing his name, not just his artistic name, but his legal name. Come August 25th, Billy Ray Cyrus would henceforth be known as Cyrus. Uh, <laughs> yep. Oh, no. Cyrus. Cy- he was just going to be just Cyrus. <laughs> Does he think he's Diddy? Like, I don't. What is that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is a this is a thing that happened, and uh, thankfully he didn't go too far with it. But let's explain <laughs> at least what he was thinking at the time that he did this. So uh, in, in April, he told Rolling Stone, quote, After August 25th, I'll be the artist formerly known as Billy Ray. <laughs> Just going by my last name, Cyrus. I always went by Cyrus, and I begged Mercury Records to call me Cyrus in the beginning because that's what I was comfortable with. I'm going to the hospital where I was born in Belfont, Kentucky, and legally changing my name. <laughs> what the fuck? Dude, it's just like, it's like the lame... Super lame white country version of Kanye being like, I'm just ye now. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at least with Kanye, like, first of all, he's way bigger than Billy Ray could hope to be. But also, like, we know by now that he has such a history of mental illness and ill-conceived runs for president and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's like, it's like the whole nation can kind of just nod their heads and go, okay, yay. Yep, like Kanye yeah, doing Kanye do, things. You do your thing. Like, it's just... This Cyrus. It's not like a catchy name. I don't know. It's like, and the other thing is like, he has multiple children by this point that are going under their full name, which includes Cyrus. So like there's Miley Cyrus, Noah Cyrus and Cyrus. (laughs) Is he hoping that like people will like stumble into him, into him by accident on Google? (laughs) Like, type Cyrus. It's like, oh. He ain't the one popping up first. That's for sure. (laughs) So, predictably, Billy Ray's album was met with a great deal of shock, confusion, and mockery. And a few months later, he did back off, claiming that he never actually intended to change his name, but just to change his, or call his album Cyrus. <laughs> a trick, y'all. <laughs> it was a grand joke. Just just a prank, just a prank. It's just going to be my, 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 oh, uh, my album title. No, yeah, that's, that's going to be the Cyrus part. 
But even that's stupid. Like now I think it's <laughs> the album Cyrus by Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> that's like Limp Bizkit doing an album called Bizkit. Bizkit. <laughs> <laughs> but then that album ended up being just called Set the Record Straight. So he didn't even go with that. <laughs> okay. Set the Record Straight is a bizarre hodgepodge of remixes, re-releases, re-recordings, and a few new tracks. And partly because 2017 marked the 25th anniversary of Billy Ray's big hit, this album features not one, not two, but three new versions of Achy Breaky Heart. Jesus Christ. We're, yeah, okay, so we're in like vanilla ice territory. Yeah, here. It, it, I mean, exactly. He did the same thing with uh, Ice Ice Baby. It's like, as I was combing through his discography, it's like all these later albums, like, huh, why is Ice Ice Baby on there? It's like, oh, it's a new version with a new track. Like, oh, it's a dance version of Ice Ice Baby. God. It's like, these are like the guy that peaked in high school where he's always <laughs> little, like, remember that re trying to rehash <laughs> something he did back then. It's like, like I get it, it means a lot to him, but I just also can't see how anybody wants to hear these. Like, like for the record, there's a there's an EDM version of Freaky Freaky Heart. No, I'm with you because at least with Ice Ice Baby, like I feel like people look back on that a little more fondly. There's some nostalgia and like it was used in like movies and shit. Yeah nobody looks back on achy breaky heart and was like yeah that was a jam like nobody no, on unless, earth like even if you're drunk at a billy ray concert it's still kind of a guilty a guilty pleasure that i think that's the only scenario it works when we were drunk and we saw him, i was catching myself going like when's he gonna play it yeah yeah when yeah those, exactly. when that opening chord starts it's like i lost my shit no 100 that was like how the room reacted so I wish I had time to do justice to set the record straight because, frankly, there are a lot of baffling tracks on it. But the the one I'm going to go with is the one that I think is the weirdest. This song is the so-called Spanglish remix of Achy Breaky Heart. Let's take a listen. You're hey, welcome. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> who, who is that for? I'm trying to think of like who would listen to that in their. I don't for... think even a gym person leading like a group exercise class would use that shit. Uh, he's just it's diversifying, yeah. Cal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I just like the first time I heard that one, I was just like, why? Yeah. Who asked for this? <laughs> Okay, I mean, 
we just had a, a good laugh there, but uh, believe it or not, this song actually merits a little bit of context. You see, Achy Breaky Heart not only set off a dance craze in the U.S., it also made an impact south of the border. In 1994, the Mexican band Caballo Dorado recorded their own version of the song entitled No Rompas Mi Corazón. Yep. <laughs> uh, dude, I just I feel like this song has branded itself in my on my heart like a cattle brand. <laughs> I just I know it it like front to back, like the way I know my favorite guitar solos. It's I know every part of this song. <laughs> this dude like just Billy Ray like lives inside my head now. It's it's like a sickness. I'm gonna have to like go to some like Tibetan retreat or something to purge myself of this. It's like I hope you know I hope you in the audience understand the ways in which Cal and I have suffered for you. <laughs> like, it's it, 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 you ever read House of Leaves, Cal? Yes. Like this a book where like a, a guy discovers this manuscript and he tries to transcribe it and it ends up like completely driving him insane. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's like me and the entire Cyrus family at this point. <laughs> okay. But like, but in terms of like that song, so to this day, if you go to a Mexican wedding, there's a pretty strong likelihood you will hear that version of a Icky Breaky Heart. Like they have an entire dance uh, about it. Like it's a it's like a version of the line dance where instead of just moving front and back, they move front and back and side to side. Oh shit! So like they they did an entire thing around this song. That extra dimension of movement guarantees I can't do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to be like a tiny bit coordinated, which like <laughs> I am not. It's like too much for white America. We've, yeah, we, we're gonna stick with the old line dance. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Ray may have been looking to the past on set the record straight, but his next musical project would be unlike anything he'd done before. For this record, Billy Ray worked with longtime songwriting partner Don Von Tress, the guy who wrote "Achy Breaky Heart" in the first place. The result is a so-called concept album called The Snake Doctor Circus. A Billy Ray concept album. <laughs> I am legitimately excited to hear what he cooked up. All right. Well, like this really is uh, interesting. So uh, I want to break it down for you guys. And let's start with the name, uh, The Snake Doctor Circus. Here's how Billy Ray explains it. The circus is my life, but the snake doctor itself is a dragonfly. And in southern lore, this bug would fly over a wounded snake and it would flap its wings and help heal the snake and bring it back together. And as you know, there's a lot of division in our country and a lot of division in our world. 
And what Don and I had hoped to do through this music was to be like the snake doctor and bring some type of healing through the music and bring people together. Oh. <laughs> just, yeah, just a lot to digest there. Yeah, okay. So he he wants to be, he wants to heal America like a dragonfly using music. <laughs> and America's the snake. I I looked this up and it actually is a thing in uh, Southern folklore where uh, dragonflies are called snake doctors and people believed that they, uh, or like like kind of pretended to believe that they would fly over snakes and heal them when they were cut up or wounded. What the, you learn something new every day. I've lived in this country forever and I did not know anything about that. Well, the South is kind of a different country. Which is why they wanted to be a different country at yeah. one point. Like they're just there's a lot of shit in the South that just does not translate to up here. Yeah. But like just but you know, taking the full context of it, like tw- this is twenty nineteen. America's more divided than ever. <laughs> like you're gonna you're gonna heal the uh, wounds of <laughs> Trump yeah. and like uh like just like all the the alt right and just all, like Black Lives Matter and all this shit. You're like a, a QAnon guy, and <laughs> you you're like really pissed off all the time at these things you perceive are happening. But then you sit down one day and your friend plays you Snake Doctor Circus by Billy Ray Cyrus, <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like, man, I feel a whole lot better. I don't think I'm gonna go storm the Capitol this week. It's like you know that man, that whole pedophilia cabal, like. It'll resolve itself. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> and as Billy Ray sort of implied there, America's political and social ills are a theme on the Snake Doctor Circus. I don't think it's quite cohesive enough to be a true concept album, but the songs do consistently deal with themes like class conflict, greed, and addiction, and the lyrics and songwriting are much more compelling than most of Billy Ray's discography. Unfortunately, much of that is marred by the album's major weakness, Billy Ray's singing. Seriously, his voice is absolutely shot on this record, to the point where I almost wonder why he even recorded it at all. Let's listen to uh, one of the worst songs. This one is called Goddess of Democracy. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You weren't kidding. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, you know, we we do a podcast and we both know that, like, you got to keep your voice fresh 
for it. And, uh, you know, there are various kind of tricks of the trade to that, but like, if it's not there, it's, it's not there. No. And no amount of backup singers is going to kind of like make that sound better. I, well, I'm, I'm surprised he was like off key in spots and yeah, wavery. I, I don't know, man. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah. You almost feel bad because you know he he was never the best singer in the world, but no, he no. was listenable. He he That's could true. hit a note. Like he, he he goes through a strange vocal evolution. Like he starts out in the you know, some gave all ever like Yeah. And then he gradually tapers off that. And then for a while he's just kind of seeing like a very average guy. And then sometime like uh like around like the mid twenty tens, he starts to really lose it. And we even saw well, when we saw him perform, you know, like uh, a while back, that like he just he he's not. Well, now he's almost yeah. in like a Bob Dylan mumbly phase. He yeah he he didn't even try a lot of the notes. Yeah, and uh, and much like Bob Dylan, you're kind of there to see his band. The band kind of carries him. Yeah, like here he's going for this kind of like very high concept, like Springsteen-y anthemic right. vibe, and like I could see it working if he actually just sung it well enough yeah he has a he has like a wheezy old man tone yeah get off my lawn it's just like it it might be endearing if it just wasn't quite that bad yeah like for sure and it's kind of sad because that album as a whole like it's actually not bad like it's probably like my second or third favorite billy ray album yeah, I agree. the The music itself didn't sound bad at all. Yeah, it's and it's he's more ambitious. He's actually trying to sing about bigger <laughs> social stuff. issues. Like sometimes even that is a, a little bit opaque and hard to understand what he's really trying to say. Yeah, it reminds me of when Limp Bizkit did that <laughs> in um, whatever yeah. that one was called. Oh, uh, uh, the unquestionable truth. Yeah, it's, they're they're trying to sing out something a little yeah. more high concept. And like he, when he says he wants to bring people together, I believe him because like he is a guy that can straddle the lines between like, you know, kind of progressive ish Hollywood and like the old backcountry white working class mm-hmm. male. Like, I don't think he's a hateful guy. Like he, he believes in God, but I don't think he's a bigot. Well, he's lived in both worlds. Yes. Which is very, very rare. Mm hmm. The as Hannah Montana said, the best of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> Recording for the Snake Doctor Circus was completed in early 2019, and the album was slated to be released that May. That meant that around mid-March of 2019, Billy Ray had some extra time on his hands, and what he did with that time would change the course of his career. That's right, folks. It's finally time to talk about Old Town Road. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Nah, can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. 
so like that song like uh there's uh, what do you what do you say about it <laughs> i got nothing i mean this one this one was this one was super super huge for a while i think that's the and, only thing i will say i guess is i don't get why it is the song right now but you know i guess i'm just gonna chalk it up to like right place at the right time i think something's gotta blow up <laughs> i can see i can see why people would really love this song I can also see why people would really hate this song. It's got a very infectious hook. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like achy breaky heart in that <laughs> regard. Like it's very singable. It's very danceable. It's very memeable. It's uh, it's not too complex. And uh, like I just know, you know, my my girlfriend has a a kid who was four at the time when this song blew up, and she went to like some kind of like preschool talent show where all the kids were like dancing and like all of them in succession danced to this song basically. (laughs) So like fucking preschoolers across the country were into this song. It was just an absolute phenomenon. Like the Spice Girls. Yeah. Like uh, really like maybe even more. (laughs) The only reason I even went there, that's, that's the song that happened to me in, (laughs) I say that like I'm the victim of a crime. (laughs) That's the song that happened to me me. when I was in kindergarten. (laughs) No, yeah. Let's. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> no, I just, I just remember every little mixer the school would organize, and like at that age, you're all just running around like psychos in the gym. You don't, you're not dancing. Yeah, of course. But I just, I have this vivid memory of like that was fifty percent Spice Girl songs. If you want to be my love, yeah. Yep, yep, absolutely. Now the story of this song, the debate over its genre, and the phenomenon of country rap in general is easily worthy of its own episode. But since we're pressed for time here, I'm going to have to just give you the Cliff Notes version. It all begins with a 19-year-old rapper named Montero Lamar Hill, known by his stage name Lil Nas X. Lil Nas X spent his formative years in a small town outside of Atlanta, and his primary interests were hanging out on the internet and making viral comedy videos. Sometime in 2018, he dropped out of college, turned his attention to music, and began recording songs in his closet. <laughs> wow. There's an we're, easy joke we're, to be we're, made. We're better than, we're yes, better than that, yes. Cal. All right. <laughs> the instrumental track for What Became Old Town Road was composed by Young Keo, a Dutch college student who sold beats online as a side hustle. The track contains a song from the song 34 Ghosts 4 by Nine Inch Nails. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's from a Nine Inch Nails song. All right, that I didn't know. And get this, uh, the young Keo claims he had never heard of Nine Inch Nails before, <laughs> which I just, like, that. that's the part that baffled me the most. It's like, how have you not I, even heard Closer? Yeah, that's, if you have a radio, I feel like it's come on at some point, but okay. Yeah, but you know, these this kid, kids these days, it's right? weird. Second time we've mentioned them this episode. <laughs> right. So it's weird how that stuff happens <laughs> with these discussions, but. Yeah. So uh, Lil Nas X bought the beat for $30, uh, but the transaction was anonymous. So this guy, Young Keo, didn't even know uh, who had bought the beat, and he didn't even find out until the song became famous. I mean, he eventually got his due. Like, uh, sure. You know, Lil Nas X gave him a shout out, and I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's like done tremendous things for his career and his, <laughs> and his be, bank account. That'd be fucking weird. Yeah, right. I'm going to call way back to when we were talking about the Baja Men. OG shit. Yeah. Uh, they We were talking the Miami Boom guys. Yeah. That's yeah. like that. You just hear your beat and you're like, wait a minute. What? Absolutely. Like, that That's a version of that story with a much happier ending, yeah. basically. Yep. 
The original version of Old Town Road, all 1 minute and 38 seconds of it, was uploaded on December 3rd, 2018. Thanks in part to Nas's talent for meme marketing, Old Town Road blew up like a supernova on TikTok. Within weeks, it was charting on Radio 2, not just on pop and hip-hop stations, but on country charts as well. But then in March of 2019, Billboard suddenly delisted the song from the country charts, claiming that Old Town Road, quote, does not embrace enough elements of today's country music to chart in its current version. Racist motherfuckers. (laughs) That's basically what uh, a lot of people said. This is a, it became one of the many controversies about race in this country that got very heated very quickly. And this was a, like, uh, yeah, basically the argument was that historically a lot of black artists have been excluded from country music. This is undeniably true. Yep. There's a few exceptions here and there, it's but good old Hootie and the Blowfish is the only one I can think of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there, there's a few others, uh, even like contemporary guys, but, but mostly it's been a predominantly white genre where it's much harder for black artists to and break that's into. that's by design. That's my heritage. <laughs> it's a, uh, there's again, there's a whole lot of, historical reasons for it like it just we can't really get into all of it in this uh, episode but i i would like to eventually cal do an episode on country rap oh totally i want to because okay if you think about the themes of rap and the themes of modern country these are actually very similar genres absolutely they're pretty much divided by race yeah it is interesting when you have these country rap songs come together yeah. I totally yeah, I totally want to do an episode someday. And just to flesh that out a tiny bit, like they're both both of these genres are storytelling genres, right? Like mm-hmm. they work best when a, a character is telling some kind of relatable narrative. And they're both working class genres. Yep. They're talking about ordinary people, be they ordinary people in the hood or ordinary people out in farm country, but you know, blue collar, you know, underclass people nonetheless. Yep. And, you know, country itself has been appropriating a lot of tropes from hip hop, like, uh, you know, like hip hop production, auto tune, snap clap beats, trap beats. Like it's been a steady creep over time. And, uh, but like people, (laughs) how do we do what's actually cool, but keep it white? (laughs) That's pretty much it. So, so, but this is a rare instance of, a black guy doing it from the opposite direction. It's like, he's not from the country per se. Mm. He's not a, he's definitely not a cowboy. He doesn't like ride a, he didn't ride a horse until he had to shoot the video for old town road, but he is appropriating that genre. The way that Fred Durst did for the hip hop. All right. Now here's where Billy Ray comes to the rescue. You see, as far back as December 4th, one day after Old Town Road was uploaded, Lil Nas X had taken to Twitter asking if there was anyone who could put him in touch with Billy Ray Cyrus. He's a genius, dude. Absolutely. I, I don't want to sidetrack us. That Oh, man. How did he know ahead of time? Well, here's a... Uh... Here's what he said. Like he wanted to do like remixes of this song. Like every like rap artist that does remixes of uh, of songs, but um, he wanted to do it in a way that would kind of countryfy it a little bit more. And uh, he claims that he Billy Ray was on his radar because he was one of the few country singers he knew about, 
And that, of course, was thanks to, wait for it, Hannah Montana. (laughs) (laughs) Give me that goofy Robbie Ray. (laughs) Hey, what's Robbie Ray up to? (laughs) Everything, fucking everything in this uh, series comes down to Hannah Montana. Like, fucking so much came out of that show. I gotta admit, I mean, this makes perfect sense to me. Like, I'm not an urban young black guy. And the only country artist I even really know is probably Billy Ray Cyrus. (laughs) So it makes perfect sense that someone even further removed from that world would only know Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, I mean, that could be true, but I also think he knows meme culture so well by this point, he's got to know that the meme value of putting a guy like Billy Ray on this song is just going to be explosive. Oh, he's a meme genius. He, he he really is. So on the one hand, it could be true that he knew about Billy Ray from Hannah Montana. I totally buy that he grew up with that show and probably liked it. Mm-hmm. But he also probably knew at least a little bit about Billy Ray's reputation, enough to know that, like, uh, how could I troll the internet even further? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the problem was, uh, in the early days, he just didn't have enough clout to get to Billy Ray. But all that changed when he signed a deal with Columbia Records. On March 15th of 2019, Columbia executive Ron Perry reached out to Tish Cyrus, asking her to play the song for her husband, Billy Ray. She did, and Billy Ray immediately fell in love with it. The next day, Billy Ray recorded his own verse for the track, collaborating with songwriter Jocelyn Jazzy Donald, who helped him with the lyrics. The Old Town Road remix featuring Billy Ray was released on April 5th, 2019. Let's focus in on Billy Ray's verse on the track. Hat down cross town, living like a rock star, spend a lot of money on my brand new guitar. Baby's got a habit, diamond rings and Fendi sports bras, riding down Rodeo in my Maserati sports car. God knows stress I've been So, what do you think of that, Cal? Oh, I just, I I like this. I don't know why. (laughs) I I take back what I said earlier. I kind of get why this blew up. I do. I I do like this song. Like, I wasn't as ear to the ground about pop music when it came out, so I wasn't overexposed to Mm -hmm. it. I was dimly aware of it. But like, so I could see if you had to listen to this 20 times a day, cause you have a teenager, oh, God, yeah, I, no. I could see why you, it would annoy the shit out of you. But like doing it for this show, I, it, it kind of makes me feel a little bit warm. It's like any song in, in modern internet culture. Like the first time I heard Gangnam Style, I thought it was cool. <laughs> it got driven into the ground. But, no, another one we could do. Yeah. I mean, but the first time I heard it, I was like, this is funny. Yeah. I get, I get yeah. my people like this. Yeah, Totally. So, uh, you know, Billy Ray hadn't really done a whole lot of rap before, unless you count Achy Breaky too. <laughs> he, <laughs> he did not. I'm glad he got some consultant help here, because that could have been so much worse, and I don't think it was cringy at all. No, and uh, he, uh, he was a little bit nervous to do it. He didn't know what he felt like he could add to the song, and he's used to an approach to songwriting where everything comes directly from his personal life. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, he was he was a little like 
you know, he, he hadn't like gone through a big breakup or anything recently. So it's hard for him to think of just like the rap style of like, just like kind of like bragging about yeah, your shit. Like, right. You know, but he, but he does try to incorporate a little bit of a uh, personal stuff in there. For example, uh, there's a line, baby's got a habit, diamond rings and Fendi sports bras. That line, believe it or not, was actually "Baby's Got a Habit: Diamond Rings and Marijuana." <laughs> <laughs> they made him change it. Yeah, they did. Like, because Tish really is a pothead. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess because by this point the song already was big with like children, yeah, as we yeah. kind of implied. So they, you know, they made him take that out. And I actually think that's a, the the right move. Like, if you want to keep this song as a universal appeal type of type of thing i can i can understand why the the record company did that another moment he says got no stress i've been through all that you know we've yeah we covered that in a episode five of the of this series like he's he's been through a lot of shit and he learned how to like come out of it with a much more balanced head on his shoulders mm-hmm. we we concluded the Old Town Road remixed entered the billboard hot 100 at number one and stayed there for a record nine consecutive weeks yeah it amassed 143 million streams in its first week and was the fastest single ever to be certified diamond simply put old town road is one of the most successful singles in the history of modern music i don't want to take anything away from lil nas x it's his song after all but i think most fans would agree that the remix with billy ray cyrus is the definitive version of old town road I mean, it's it's a, enough of a defining thing of his career that he played it uh, as the closer at the show that we saw. He's got to know deep down that's the best he's ever going to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it'd be inconceivable to top it. And it's a miracle he even did that. He got this miraculous second shot through a fucking meme lord, you know? <laughs> yeah. it, it's a crazy story if you think about it, and I, I think he has to know. That this is his his signature song until he hangs up his guitar. Until he uh, reaches the age of 90 and inexplicably <laughs> comes out with a new hit track. Coming at you live <laughs> through hologram. <laughs> my, uh, my girlfriend compared him to a musical cicada. Like he just, every like 27 years, he comes back with the number one song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, if they, if that's true, I look forward to the uh, elderly Cyrus hit then. <laughs> What's music even going to sound like then? Human music. <laughs> boop, boop. <laughs> to state the obvious, Old Town Road revitalized Billy Ray's career like nothing else before, not even Hannah Montana. He was on top of the charts for the first time since Achy Breaky Heart, his name now familiar to a whole new generation of fans. And then, in January of 2020, Billy Ray finally redeemed himself at the Grammys when the song won awards for Best Music Video and Best Pop Group Performance. Cyrus Big Loser, No More. Oh, I got chills. <laughs> I got chills for him. Full circle, baby. Yep. I, I want to cry one single tear. <laughs> you know, actually, it's funny in movies. Like, sad stuff doesn't really get me in movies. It's no. moments like that. It's happy stuff. Dun, dun, dun. When they achieve all their dreams, everything they've ever wanted, <laughs> that gets a tear. Cue the credits. Yep. At the age of 57, Billy Ray had pulled off a comeback that has few parallels in music history. 
But even so, it often feels like Billy Ray's career dances in a pattern of two steps forward, one step back. In May of 2019, with Old Town Road still topping the charts, the Snake Doctor Circus was finally released, and nobody cared. The album sold a paltry 425 copies in its first week and never registered on any chart. Holy fuck. I feel like you and me could sell 425 copies of an album. No, dude. Like I have like friends, friends who are underground musicians that sell more than that on on, uh, albums that they self-release and sell in fucking cafes in Madison. And like as much like as we were kind of like making fun of his singing on that record, it is good enough to merit way more than 425 yeah, yeah, copies. Yeah, for sure. So I just, I, I, it's really uncomfortable to even tell you that fact. Like, I think that's one of those moments he, he's just got to embrace who his meme lord status at this point. Yeah, yeah. Nobody cares what he really thinks. They just want more goofy videos now. So, yeah, so America wasn't healed. <laughs> the, the snake is still broken. No, 425 people were. 425 people's lives were changed. Right, that's a start. <laughs> so the Snake Doctor Circus didn't do well, but as always, a lack of sustained success would not deter Billy Ray's spirit. He's been through it all before, and by now he's wise enough just to enjoy the ride and keep doing what he wants. That's the man who built the Cyrus dynasty. That's the man that Cal and I saw at Chili Mania. That's the man who, right up until this day, is not afraid to try anything. Not even this. I'm gonna knock you out. Mama said knock you out. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Rocking my peers, putting suckers in fear. Making the tears rain down like a monsoon. Listen to the bass go boom. I'm tired of record shop When I write these lyrics That'll make you call the cops Don't you dare stare You better move Don't ever compare To the rest That'll all get sliced and diced Competition's paying the price I'm gonna knock you out Mama said knock you out <laughs> yes yes uh, oh my god <laughs> i this is proof to me we live in a simulation <laughs> that like this song has come up in our show twice of uh, terrible covers you said it during the break did ll cool j knew what he what yeah. monster he created <laughs> with that song in 91 Just a pandora's box of shitty cover <laughs> after shitty cover <laughs> If you don't know what what we're talking about, go back and listen to our Five Finger Death Punch episode where they recorded a cover of that song, which frankly was a lot worse. Yeah, than I, what I you think just I think heard. Billy did a little better. No, I I actually like I think that song is kind of fun. Like uh, it's you know he's uh, he, so this is from a uh, an EP called the Singing Hills Sessions, and it's mostly a cover of like other country songs that he grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. But he, he threw in that. Uh, 
because of I think that you know so much of the world now knows him as a guy who's willing to do uh, cro- uh, country crossovers. I say I'm I'm willing to bet. Like maybe I'm wrong. Uh, that's probably the most popular track off that EP. Oh, I'm certain. Yeah, he yeah, he should just become a a country rap crossover guy. Yeah, He'd rock well, that for a while. Why not? Like uh, it's. We talked in the very beginning of uh, this series about how difficult it is to bridge the divide between, like, you know, country America and everything else America. But if there's one soul in the con- in the country <laughs> that can do it, I think it's, it's Billy, Billy Ray. Ray Cyrus. <laughs> See, and if he had just made the Snake Doctor Circus a little more hip hop, <laughs> maybe he would have healed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just he just didn't know that was in his toolkit when he's recording it. <laughs> And with that, we conclude our long, long survey of the Cyrus dynasty. An empire that began in the backwoods of Kentucky and planted its flag across continents and generations. A sound heard in dive bars and major arenas, witnessed on screens big and small. They were praised, then mocked, then praised again, often by the exact same mouths. Their story embodies both the American dream and the American reality. The dream that through persistence and hard work, you can make it to the top of the world. The reality that getting there costs more than you think, and a lot of folks will gladly watch you get kicked back down. The Cyrus Dynasty is also as diverse as America. From country to rock to dance pop and beyond, they've cooked up music for just about every palate, and I imagine we'll be served a whole lot of new flavors as the years go on. But if any one value underlies the Cyrus aesthetic, I think it's this. Just be yourself. That won't mean the same thing to everyone every time. Sometimes it means making a Christian album. Sometimes it means grabbing your crotch on stage. Sometimes it means honoring our vets. Sometimes it means sucking up to Disney. Sometimes it means selling out. Other times it means saying fuck you. The important thing is to never give up on your own intuition. You won't always know how to do it the right way, but you can never forget how to do it your way. That's all I have to say about the Cyruses. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, Cal? Oh, like, just God. what are what are your emotions as we it is so finally hard. conclude this thing? It is so hard to sum it all up. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like I learned a ton about about them as people and about fame in general. Yeah, um, I learned a lot about country music. Yeah, me too. Like, it's like this is the first time in my life of ever had to try to take country music seriously and i'm sure i fucked up a lot like and serious country fans are probably going to take issue with the way i characterized things here and there but like as we move forward i would like to take this genre a little bit more seriously and and you know see like how it became what it is and i know billy ray had his own contribution to that but like there's a lot of other elements to the story as well right and I, I just had no idea there was Billy Ray in particular. I had no idea there was so much to his story. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said earlier in the episode, it this series for the first time fulfilled the original intent in my mind of is there an interesting story behind some of these one hit wonders? Yes, and in this case, we got given far more than we bargained for. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, he's had a he's just an interesting guy, a genuinely interesting guy, which is. Yeah, you didn't think you'd say that about the achy breaky heart weirdo. <laughs> no, it's just yeah, it's he's way more than that. Uh, I was just I've been so fascinated by his 
personality in terms of his uh, his just relentless positivity, his belief in uh, like destiny, and uh, how much of a like a, I guess a like an empath he he is, and like how he just kind of feels his way through life, and like sometimes it works out extremely well for him, and sometimes I think it kind of leads him astray a little bit, mm-hmm. and. I do feel like he hasn't quite gotten his due. Like he's, he's better than someone who's an absolute joke. I don't think he's like a great artist necessarily or, or anything, but like there's, he's someone that's worth taking a look at. Yeah. And, and Miley, it's like even more tenfold true. I think she actually truly is a great artist that we watched grow up in real time. And that's, that's been an extremely fascinating process. Yeah. I, had completely blown her off starting with probably the VMAs. Cause like we had said in that episode, it was, Oh, Hannah Montana slutty. Now I guess I just chalked it up as like, she's another Brittany mm-hmm. and she proved she has completely proven me wrong for sure. Yeah. And it, it's been fun listening to her later work and I like it. I actually like it. I yeah. Think she's good. Yeah, I do too. I'm i uh, I'm on Miley's side and uh, I want to, I want to, I guess, thank her and thank Billy Ray for making the music they did, and uh, you know, thank everyone who encouraged us to do this project. And I feel like we've come out with a lot of knowledge, and we hope that you guys have too. So yeah, I guess I just want to end this one on a on a thank you note, like just thank you to everybody who's listened to this entire series. You know, whether you enjoyed it all the way through or not, like. Uh, just thank you so much. This has been a big thing for us. And we promise that we will be back with more regular type stuff very soon. By the before Christmas comes out, we hope to put out a holiday special. And that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be really fun. I've got a great concept planned for you guys. So just look out for the polishing turds holiday special. Christmas surprise. Christmas surprise. I, I'm not gonna say miracle. It's not that strong of a word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be a fun one be a miracle if we get it out in time <laughs> but I, as uh, as always thank you so much keep telling your friends about this podcast uh share it on social media give us a like a rating whatever your app lets you do and we will see you next time Oh, hey, I just got an email. Uh, Congratulations. Polishing Turds is now ranked number 246 on the Apple Podcast Music Commentary Chart in the United States. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have to scroll down pretty far to find us. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know what? The number 247 ranked music commentary podcast is getting mighty jealous. (laughs) Bird shit.